biggest takeaways from the month of January for the New York Rangers, including the need to trade for a right winger or maybe even two, uh, the importance of getting Philip Heedle re-signed, and what feels like a likely playoff matchup for the Rangers uh, if and when they make it to the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 764 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And as we just mentioned, basically going to use today's episode, a uh, Friday episode here, to uh, talk about some of the biggest takeaways from the month of January for the New York Rangers. Obviously, the Rangers have been on uh, quite the lengthy break here. It's going to be nine days by the time it's all said and done. Uh, they'll eventually finally be back in action on Monday at home against Calgary at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. But as for January, very successful month for the New York Rangers. Overall, they go 8-2-2, two, and two, so that's 18 points out of a possible 24. Not too shabby at all, uh, especially when you look at how much this team was struggling early in the season. It's another solid month here and another sign that the Rangers have indeed turned it around, turned the corner, and uh, seem to be on their way to marching into the playoffs and hopefully doing some damage and making a run once they get there. But as far as takeaways, uh, there's one that I want to start with here. It's one that I think most Ranger fans would probably agree with, and to me, it stands out as much or more uh, than anything else that we're going to talk about here today. That is the fact that the Rangers need to trade for a right winger. As things currently stand, the Rangers do not have a right winger on their roster who is averaging even a half a point per game. Now, I realize points are not everything. There's other aspects of this game, and there's other ways that uh, you know players can help you, even if they're not getting a lot of points. And you know, there's times where all of us might fixate too much on you know points overall. But bottom line, uh, you need to get some offense out of that position if you're the Rangers. I mean, I think that goes for, you know, any team. Uh, you want to be able to put a line out there where you've got, you know, a big-time left winger, a big-time center, a big-time right winger. You want to have two lines like that, ideally. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the way things stand right now, as I mentioned, not a single right winger on the Rangers is even at a point per game. Capo Caco uh, is the closest. He's got 23 points in 49 games and has played a little bit better this season, I think. You know, with Kako, he's always getting a little bit better and better. You're hoping for that big-time jump forward, but he has played very well recently, that is for sure. Um, but after that, as far as the right wingers go, if you want to count Barclay Goodrow as a right winger, which I suppose you can, uh, he also has 23 points in 49 games. But then you look at the other guys that, you know, are, are right wingers predominantly. Uh, Jimmy Vesey, 17 points in 48 games. Gautier's got 9 in 35. Krausoff's got 6 in 27. Can't really count Lafreniere, can't really count Semi Blay because uh, they both play left wing quite a bit more than right wing, but bottom line, neither one of them are at a half point per game either. So, you know, once again, points are not everything, but if you're the Rangers, sooner or later, you're probably going to want to get a little bit more production uh, out of that position. And, you know, even if you are a fan who truly believes in Kako and you like what you're seeing this year, and I do too, I, that applies to me as well, um, but even if that is the case and you feel like he's a bona fide top line right winger, that still leaves a pretty big hole on the second line as far as right wing is concerned. And 
as we've also mentioned in the past, the Rangers have kind of an imbalance when it comes to left wing and right wing. You know, you've got Kreider and, and Panarin on the left wing, two established superstars. You've got Lafreniere, who, you know, we're all hoping will eventually get there. Um, even when you look at somebody like Will Cooley, who was up for two games and a relatively high draft pick that the Rangers like, you got to figure we'll be seeing Brian Offman next season at the latest. So, I mean, that's five left wingers right there, and they certainly don't have that kind of depth uh, on the right side. And of course, even as things stand right now, we've seen some instances where Panarin and Kreider and Lafreniere, at one time or another this season, some more than others, uh, but at one time or another this season, have all moved from left wing to right wing to varying results. When Kreider against Toronto had to move from left wing to right wing, it's probably one of the worst games he's played in quite some time. You know, a bunch of turnovers and, and just didn't look like uh, didn't look like himself out there. That's best, basically the best way I can put it. Uh, when Lafreniere has played right wing, it doesn't seem to affect him too much. I thought one of his best stretches this season was when he was out there with Panarin and Trocek for, you know, couple of games uh, early in the year. And then Panarin, you know, he can always move to the right side, but, you know, I don't want to move him. He's an absolute superstar. Why take him away from his natural position? And kind of the same thing with Lafreniere. I mean, you know, number one overall pick. I, I don't know that that's somebody you want to be changing positions. So uh, that's all a long way of saying that I think that, you know, right wing is an area of need, and I'd like to see the Rangers bring in one or maybe even two right wingers uh, that can solidify the Rangers at that position and that can eliminate the need from having to move either Panarin or Kreider or Lafreniere away from their natural left wing position over to right wing. I think all three of them are at least capable of handling it to some degree or another, but why do that when you can go out and get somebody who is a true right winger? And that leads me into my next point. You could honestly make the argument this year at the trade deadline, and we'll see what the Rangers do. I'm, I'm sure there'll be at least uh, a couple of additions, you would think. But you could make the argument that the Rangers, if they trade for, let's say, two players at the deadline, that they should both be right-wingers. I mean, when you look at this Ranger team right now, they're absolutely loaded pretty much top to bottom. I know they don't have as much depth as, as some other teams might, you know, in the bottom six or whatever it might be. But, I mean, they're basically set as far as defensemen are concerned. Uh, at center, they they look strong there. You can go uh, Mika, Trocek, and Hedl, and then even Goodrow if he's playing center. I mean, that's a heck of a fourth-line center right there. Left wing, we already talked about. Right wing is where they're thin, and to such a degree, and, you know, the the fact that that really is the, the Rangers' biggest weakness by a long shot, you could honestly make the argument that, yes, that the best thing the Rangers could do with this deadline is to add not one but two right wingers. And I think that becomes even more true if Vitaly Krasov ends up being traded. And that is something that could very well happen. You know, right now, Krasov is kind of on the outside of this lineup looking in. I mean, we'll see if maybe they work him back in there after this break here. But, you know, they called up Will Cooley. They got him into some, some games. Uh, Krasov is obviously you know, had some injury issues this year. He's had a chilly relationship with the Rangers. I've said multiple times on here, Vitaly Krasov is not going to be a Ranger for life. I think we can all pretty much agree on that. But I'd be surprised if Krasov is not traded this upcoming offseason at the latest. And I could honestly see it happening uh, at the deadline this year. And so if there's a trade uh, that the Rangers make, you know, maybe Krasov uh, is part of the package where the Rangers can land themselves a Vladimir Tarasenko well, okay, you've obviously upgraded because Tarasenko uh, certainly right now is a far better player than Krasov is, but you still kind of need another right winger because you just shipped one away. 
Uh, you could keep Kravtsov and still add two right-wingers. But if Kravtsov goes away in one of the trades, then I think it just adds the need to, to add two right-wingers. So, you know, we'll see. I feel like the way things might shake out this year, you see the Rangers trade for, you know, a, a pretty darn good right-winger. You see them trade for a depth forward and maybe a defenseman who could be either the sixth defenseman or the seventh defenseman, depending on how Ben Harper is holding up and what the Rangers might look to do. But, uh, yeah, honestly, I feel like, once again, the biggest takeaway that I had in the month of January, is that the Rangers do need a top line or a top six right winger and possibly even two. And uh, very, very curious to see what they do at the trade deadline this year. Obviously, they were very active last year in jury. Hey, he knocked it out of the park last year with some of the additions that he made. So got to believe a right winger's on the way. And like I said, possibly, and maybe even hopefully, two right wingers on the way to this team uh, at or near the deadline this season. We're going to keep everything rolling in just a second. I want to uh, talk about the power play and how the Rangers uh, need a little bit of a jolt there. Also going to talk about Keandre Miller, who is a superstar in this league, present tense. We're done talking about upside. We're done talking about potential. He's a superstar right here and right now and uh, should be for many, many years to come. And we're going to get to all that good stuff in just a second. But first, we just got to let everybody know today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, we just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. All right, so another big takeaway uh, from January, for me at least, is the Rangers could use a little bit of a jolt on the power play. Now, if you want to keep the same five players together for the first couple of games coming out of the break, I'm okay with that. Um, you know, obviously, it certainly seems like a deep and talented unit and a, a unit that should be scoring goals at a higher clip than it currently is, should be higher up the NHL rankings than they currently are, but uh, that's just not the case right now. Uh, but if you do make some adjustments on the power play as far as the top unit is concerned, I'm not saying you have to go reinventing the wheel here and, you know, throw Panarin off the top unit and get rid of Fox off the top unit. I'm not, I don't want to go that far. I just want to make a tweak here. And I think the way to do this is to replace Trocheck with either Heedle or Kako. And I'm not laying this all at the feet of Vincent Trocheck as far as why the power play has taken a step back this year. I just feel like at a certain point, you know, the Raiders, they change their lines at even strength enough that you would think that they could at least consider making a change to, you know, one or both of the power play units, depending on, you know, what's happening. And obviously, lately, uh, the Ranger power play has not performed. Um, but as far as, you know, just kind of looking at stats and why I'd be uh, wanting to go with Kako and Heedle, you look at Vincent Trocek, and his last 11 games has only four points. None of those have come on the power play. 
And in Trocek's last 26 games with the Rangers, he has only three power play points. Uh, Capo Caco, he's been feeling it lately. You know, we've got that kid line reunion going on. His last 20 games, he's got 13 points, which is solid. I mean, it's not otherworldly, but that's a nice run for Capo Caco there. Uh, none of them have come on the power play. So uh, imagine if Caco actually got some time on the power play. I know he's on the second unit, but they're not out there for very long. You guys know the drill. Uh, they basically get onto the ice with 25 seconds left, and there's not really a whole lot of time uh, to do much. So Kako, I'd like to see him get an opportunity, but I think my top choice right now would actually be Philip Hedl. Uh He's got 11, or excuse me, 12 points in his last 11 games, just lighting it up recently. Only two of those points, though, have come in the power play, and so I wouldn't mind Philip Hedl, uh maybe getting a chance in the place of Vincent Trocek. And again, I can't emphasize this enough. I'm not blaming Trocek. I'm not putting this all on him as far as why the Ranger power play has been down lately. I just would like to see something of an adjustment, something of a tweak, you know, some kind of a, a plan to, to spark this unit and get them going a little bit. And by process of elimination, I think Trocek's the guy that if you were to remove somebody from that top unit, it would probably be him. I mean, I, I don't think, like I said earlier, that you're going to take Panarin off the top unit. You're not going to take Adam Fox off the top unit. Um, Kreider, probably not because, you know, he's good with those deflections. I, I know he hasn't been as proficient with those recently, um, as he was last year, but you figure sooner or later, he will get it going there. And I mean, Mika ripping those one-timers, I don't think you would want it to be him either. So if you're going to make a little bit of an adjustment, just drop Trocek down. And I would say put Hedl, uh, onto that top unit. We'll see if they end up doing it, but I do think that, you know, they need a little bit of a jolt as far as the power play is concerned. Maybe part of the way that you could do that also is, you allow the second power play unit to get a little bit more uh, power play time, which I think they've kind of been doing a little bit recently. Not a drastic difference, but I do think the second unit has been getting at least a little bit more of a chance uh, when the Rangers are up a man. Um, I was joking not too long ago, and one of you pointed this out to me on YouTube, that I didn't think the second power play unit would start uh, the man advantage for the rest of the season. They, of course, did, but it was after the top unit was out there and presumably gassed, and uh, then the second unit was out off the ice, uh, just 30 seconds into the power play. So uh, we'll see. But I, I do think at a certain point, you know, give these same five players a little bit of a chance. Give them about like three games, maybe four games together. If we're four games into, uh, you know, the post break here and that unit has gone like one for 16 on the power play, then I, I got to see something. I, even if it's just Hedl for Trocek or Kako for Trocek, whatever it might be. But sooner or later, you got to try something a little bit different. And again, for a coaching staff that loves to mix and match and, and shuffle the deck as far as the even strength line combinations are concerned, you would think they'd be open uh, to at least uh, making, you know, a small adjustment, a small tweak uh, to that top power play unit to try to get them going a little bit. All right, what else do we want to talk about here? Keandre Miller. So another big takeaway from me for the month of January is that Keandre Miller is a superstar present tense. As I mentioned, we're done talking about upside and potential. And, oh, man, imagine how good Keandre Miller could be in two years or three years. He's here. He's arrived. He is a premier elite defenseman in this league. Doesn't have any holes in his game. And it's funny because, you know, last year in the playoffs, I thought Miller was absolutely phenomenal for the Rangers in the playoffs, possibly even better than Fox. And I don't say that lightly at all. But I said at the time pretty much what I'm saying now, that Keandre Miller is a superstar present tense. And, you know, the Rangers had that deep playoff run and, you know, locked on sports that they keep an eye on everything. And, and given that the Rangers were making a deep run, they were kind of retweeting some of our things, you know, cutting up some of the clips from the episode and, and posting them on their account. And that was one of the ones that they went with, that Keandre Miller uh, is a superstar present tense. And then we get to the start of this season and I'm waiting for it to continue. And Miller was kind of a mess at the start of the year. And so was Jacob Truba. Um, it, it got to the point where I, I just could not 
fathom what was happening. Uh, every time that pairing was on the ice, I would hold my breath. Uh, but they've both come out of it, especially Miller. Miller, like I said, is, is performing at pretty much an all-star level. Truba's been better as well. Um, you know, they, they went from being liabilities early in the season to, you know, pretty much giving you what you would expect. But, man, Miller, it's absolutely scary uh, what he could eventually become in this league. He's already kind of there as far as being a star. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he's just getting going his NHL career. But as far as, you know, what he's done this season, if you just want to go by the stats, uh, 49 games, he has scored five goals, which is too shy of his career high. He's got 20 assists. Uh, his previous career high was only 13. And keep in mind, we're, I believe, 49 games into the season, so he's got a ways to go there. Uh, career high, 25 points. His previous career best was 20. And I realize he's only in year three, but it's still very impressive that he's kind of you know shattering his previous career highs in most stats, or at least on pace to do so. Uh, he's a plus one. He was a plus 23 last year, so I don't know that he'll get quite back up to that much of a plus, but we'll see. You know, he's obviously played very well recently. Uh, averaging 22-14 of ice time, 59 block shots, 108 hits, and 39 takeaways against only 37 giveaways. And beyond the stats, though, just the eye test. You know, th this his, his confidence is through the roof. Just the way he carries himself, you can tell uh, he's good. He knows it, and uh, he knows he can be a huge part to uh, a Ranger team that has championship aspirations this year and beyond. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny because... As much as people like to say that, like, oh, you know, the Rangers, they, they can't develop anybody, they can't develop any of their prospects, even their first-round picks, it, it never works out. That's really only true, and only true to an extent when it comes to the forwards. I think uh, Hedl is certainly breaking out, and I think the book is still out on guys like Lafreniere and Kako. Uh, Kreider is obviously a success story uh, as far as a forward for the Rangers. Um, you know, I, I guess you could throw Jesper Foss in there, given that the Rangers drafted him in the sixth round, and he became a solid player for them as well. Um, but with defensemen, I mean, they know how to develop their defensemen and their goalies as well. Uh, defensemen, you know, look at Keandre Miller, Adam Fox, Ryan Lindgren, um, Braden Schneider. Uh, as far as goalies, you know, Igor, Lundqvist, even somebody like Talbot to a lesser extent, even somebody like Georgiev to a lesser extent. So they know how to develop uh, guys that they draft. And I realize some of those players I mentioned, um, you know, were drafted by other teams, but I'm pretty sure all of them uh, made their NHL debut with the Rangers. So uh, they are able to develop their defensemen and uh, Keandre Miller, just the latest success story uh, in that regard. I want to keep everything moving in just a second. want to talk about the Ranger goalies, a couple of takeaways for them. Also going to talk about Philip Hedl and why he's entering the conversation as far as possibly possibly being uh, the biggest priority for the Rangers when it comes to their impending uh, free agents, unrestricted or restricted. We're going to talk about all that in just a second. All right, so the goalies. I want to start with Igor Shesterkin here. You know, Igor, it's funny because obviously, look, we all know he's a phenomenal goalie. I'm very well aware of that fact. There's times where I almost wonder, like, man, do I, do I not talk about Igor enough on this show? Because, you know, you almost take it for granted a little bit what he's able to do on a night-in and night-out basis. And, you know, we're trying to figure out what the Rangers should do on the power play. And, you know, early in the season, we're trying to figure out who the sixth defenseman should be. And we're trying to figure out the line combinations. And should Keandre Miller play with Adam Fox? While we're talking about all these things, Igor Shesterkin's just being Igor Shesterkin. He's between the pipes, making ridiculous save after ridiculous save. Went uh, through a little bit of a rough patch early this season, as did pretty much the entire Ranger team. But uh, I've said it before: give me Igor Shesterkin in a big in a big game, excuse me, uh, against pretty much any goalie in this league. Just a, yeah, I would say any goalie in this league. 
Um, and, and I realize this year, as far as you know, back-to-back Vesnas are concerned, may not happen. You know, Igor right now tied for ninth in the league with a 2.45 goals against average. He's also tied for ninth in the league with a save percentage of 9.18. But he's played very, very well recently and is rounding back into that Vesna form and uh, rounding back into the goalie that we all know and love. Never, ever uh, take for granted the fact that we went pretty much right from Henrik Lundqvist to Igor Shesterkin. So good stuff there, and we are certainly very fortunate as New York Ranger fans. But as far as Igor and his success recently, in his last 17 games, he has allowed two goals or fewer in eight of them. And only once in those 17 games has he allowed more than three goals, which honestly, that stat might be even more impressive than the first one I just mentioned there. Uh, And the only game of those 17 where he allowed more than three goals. The fourth goal was scored in overtime by the Devils, which is obviously uh, an unfortunate overtime loss there. But yeah, 17 straight games for Eeyore with uh, three or fewer goals allowed in regulation. So uh, never, ever take Eeyore for granted. I'm, I'm reminding myself of that as much as I'm reminding every single one of you of that as well. Uh, again, just an otherworldly goalie, and we are certainly uh, very Happy and very lucky and very fortunate to uh, to have him with the Rangers, hopefully for, for many, many years to come. Uh, to keep the spotlight on the goalies here, I want to, uh, another takeaway from January, Rangers do indeed have one of the best backup goalies in the league in Yaroslav Halak. He obviously got off to a little bit of a rough start with the, uh, with the Rangers. I would still argue, though, he wasn't as bad as it seemed early in the season. I, I think a lot of people fixated on the fact that, what was he, like 0-5-1 or 0-6-1, whatever it was. He didn't have a win. He was a hard luck loser in at least a couple of those games. Uh, there were a couple of games, I would say maybe like two, where he really didn't have his game and really got lit up and gave up a lot of goals. And when that happens early in the season, you know, your goals against average is going to shoot through the roof. Your save percentage is going to be pretty ugly too. And it's going to take a while, especially for a backup goalie who doesn't play that often. It's going to take a while for those numbers uh, to come back to earth and uh, kind of round back into form. But you look where uh, Halak is now. He's now 6-6-1, six, six and one, a 256 goals against average, and a 908 save percentage. That works. For a backup goalie who you just want to be able to step in there, spell Igor from time to time, maybe step in there for a spell if, if anything happens to Igor, knock on wood there. But, um, you know, Igor's had a couple of injuries from time to time. You just want somebody that can keep the ship from sinking, and I think uh, Yaroslav Halak, uh, you know, fits that description. And something else that, you know, we got to mention for Yaro, uh, he has won his last five games, including the last three, where he allowed exactly one goal in all three of those games. And, of course, most recently, uh, an excellent 33-save performance against the Knights sent the Rangers into the break on a uh, positive note there. So uh, good stuff all around as far as the Ranger goalies are concerned. Something else, big, big takeaway here. Philip Heedle right now is creeping into the conversation of biggest free agent priority for the New York Rangers. And I'm including UFAs and RFAs, um, you know, in, in this discussion here. I mean— we, we talked about this when we did our crossover with uh, with Broadway Block not too long ago, two-part crossover. But the Rangers only have two UFAs right now. That's Sammy Blay and Yaroslav Halak. And I think, you know, you could probably let both of them walk and it, it wouldn't be too big of a deal uh, either way. Um, but as far as, you know, just once again, looking at the RFAs and the UFAs together, it pretty much comes down to what I would call the big three. That is Philip Hedl, that is Alexi Lafreniere, and that is Keandre Miller. Coming into the season... I mean, even at the time, it was clear that those were the top three priorities. They would be the top three priorities for the Rangers once this season concludes. But if you ask me to rank those three players in terms of importance and who should be the biggest priority from first to third, I probably would have said Lafreniere, then he—no, uh, Lafreniere, then Miller, then Heedle. 
And we're at the point where I might almost do the opposite, and that's with all apologies to Keandre Miller, who I've just been praising for, you know, a good chunk of the episode here today. You know, honestly, you could look at those three players and rank them in any order. Like, like if you thought that it, the, the correct order is like uh, Lafreniere and then Heedle and then Miller, or you think it's Miller and then Lafreniere and then Heedle, I wouldn't put up any kind of an argument because you could honestly rank those three players in any order from most important to least important. And the hope, I think, is that, you know, they end up with all three of them back uh, for this upcoming season. But with Heedle, I mean, he's in his fifth year, what's considered his fifth year. He's played in parts of six different seasons with the Rangers, but uh, that first year he only appeared in nine games. But to see him kind of break out the way he has, uh, it's very, very impressive. And I'm going to go to his stats in just a second as well. He's another one who's, you know, basically shattering uh, career highs across the board. But you you just watch Philip Heedle in action, and man, I mean— just a very, very confident player. Looks like he belongs in the NHL. Looks like he believes himself. There's just a certain look. It's one of those intangible things. You can't explain it all the way. You can't exactly put your finger on it, but he is just somebody uh, whose confidence has skyrocketed and somebody who just looks like he belongs in the NHL and still very young. I believe still now just 22 years old is Philip Hedl. So uh, he's gone from somebody who you know, around this time last year, he was a healthy scratch for a game, you know, in the, around this time last year. I think it might have been like in December last year, but he was a healthy scratch, uh, didn't really produce a whole bunch of points last year, got it done in the playoffs as part of the kid line, and you know, we've had a kid line reunion recently, and they're playing pretty well together as well. But yeah, man, Philip Hedl, I mean, really coming into his own in this league. As far as his stats are concerned, uh, 41 games, 16 goals, He's already beaten his previous career high of 14 goals, uh, 13 assists. He's going to beat that as well because his previous career high is 14. Uh, So 29 points in 41 games. His previous career high for points was 23. So he's already eclipsed that. He's averaging 14-21 of ice time per night, second most in his career. He's also a plus 15, best of his career. Uh, Even in block shots, he's got 26 of those. His previous career best was 31. He could eclipse that. Uh, new career high with 31 hits already. Uh, faceoffs are still something of an issue for Philip Hedl. He's at 38.5%, which is kind of just par for the course for him. Uh, he doesn't win faceoffs, and that's something that, you know, I know a lot of Ranger fans want to see him centering the Panarin line, and I'm certainly open to that idea, but I don't want to concede faceoff after faceoff after faceoff with, you know, Philip Hedl out there uh, with Artemi Panarin. So, uh, but, but Hedl's been awesome, you know, and I, I'm still open to the idea of putting him back on right wing. I don't think the Rangers are, but... Uh, you know, to me, it's, it's something that should at least be on the table. But uh, Hedl's especially been on fire recently. Last 11 games, he's got eight goals and four assists. And becoming just a key, key contributor to this team and somebody that I don't think they can afford to, to let walk away. It's funny because, you know, saying this last year around this time, you know, you'd be open to the idea of, of Philip Hedl not necessarily uh, being in the Rangers' long-term plans. And now it's like, man, this, this guy is just so important to this team. Uh, you can put him on any line. And uh, he's going to get the job done and produce uh, with some offense for you. So, yeah, Filipino really coming into his own. And uh, that's especially true in the month of January, one of our bigger takeaways from the month of January. All right, next one. Uh, this is not so much a takeaway from January as much as it's just a very simple reinforcement. And that is that every point is absolutely huge when you play in the Metro Divisions. I'm going to go ahead and uh, read the standings for you guys here. I've got it open uh, on the other screen. So, Hurricanes, they're on top of the division. Uh, they won the division last year. They've won seven in a row, 76 points for them, followed by the Devils with 68 points, the Rangers with 62 points, Caps with 60, Penguins with 57, Islanders with 55, Flyers with 51, and uh, the Blue Jackets with 34. 
Um, but here's a stat that's pretty crazy, and this applies to not just the Metro, but really the entire Eastern Conference. There are only two teams in the entire Eastern Conference that have fewer, or they have uh, more regulation losses than they have total wins. And those two teams are the Blue Jackets and the Canadians. Every other team in the Eastern Conference has at least as many wins as they do regulation losses. Even a team like the Flyers right now, they're 21-21-9, and nine, so uh, they would qualify there. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's big time. You know, every, every game you play is absolutely huge right now. Uh, we are in the second half of the season. These playoff races are heating up. It's not as clear-cut this year as it was last year as far as, you know, who are going to be the eight teams in the Eastern Conference. And even if you get to a point where, you know, you're pretty close to clinching and you're going to make it pretty comfortably into the playoffs— um, you know, it's still important to get as high of a seat as you can. The difference between, you know, uh, finishing in second place in the Metro or finishing in third place, that's the difference between home ice advantage and not having home ice advantage. And of course, last year, you know, the Rangers playing the Penguins in the first round, coming back from three games to one down. I do think it helped that two of those three games were in Madison Square Garden and certainly game seven. Uh, the Rangers seemed to feed off of that energy and uh, got the job done there. So yeah, every point, every game going to be absolutely huge. Like I said, I'm not telling you anything new there, but I thought it was really, really reinforced in January. When you look at these standings, I mean, the Rangers have been cruising lately. I mentioned eight, two and two in January, and they're still in third place in this division, which I believe is is where they started the month, also in third place. So they're doing great, and they're not making any headway uh, on the Canes and the Devils, the two teams that are in front of them, at least as things currently stand. So that leads me into something else that I want to talk about. Big takeaway from January for me, I think the Rangers are on a collision course with the New Jersey Devils for the postseason. I felt this same way uh, around this time last year. And as I mentioned, you know, last year it seemed a little bit more clear-cut as far as who was going to be in the playoffs. And of course, the Rangers and Devils, they both have a long way to go. Uh, they both still have to earn spots in the playoffs, but I do think both teams will get there. And I feel like one way or another, uh, those two teams are going to finish second and third in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, if that is indeed the playoff matchup, first of all, it's going to break Twitter. I'm sure Ranger fans and Devil fans will be very kind to each other uh, on that wonderful platform. Um, but on top of that, I think hockey fans are just in for a treat. I mean, it's a rivalry matchup. Obviously, you know, geographically, they're very close to each other. And it's been a great rivalry through the years. We've seen, you know, obviously, Mato, 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 a couple of other uh, playoff matchups as well. Uh, Devils beat the Rangers in the Eastern Conference Final. Uh, the Rangers beat the Devils that year that Sean Avery pretty much just took over the entire series and drove Marty Brodeur nuts. There's been a, a lot of history there, obviously. And... You know, even in recent seasons, this rivalry has really picked back up. I would go back as far as, we'll say two seasons ago, neither the Rangers nor the Devils were really, you know, in a good spot. They were both still, I mean, they were rebuilding. They, they had a plan in place, and that was good for both teams. And I think now you're seeing kind of the result of the rebuild for both teams because they're, you know, back in the big time, so to speak. But even when the Rangers and Devils weren't that good for those years— the games they played each other always took on kind of like a big fight feel to them. Uh, emotions ran high. The players seemed to really be buying into it and really embracing the rivalry. And some crazy games. You know, this year, two games have gone into overtime. Uh, the the year, two years ago that I was talking about, um, there was that situation where the Rangers uh, swept the Devils in, in you know, I, I think it was like four straight games the pandemic year when they played the Devils four times in a row, won all four of those. Uh, there was a game last year where uh, Kreider went into overtime and Kreider scored a walk-off goal 
in the shootout, like the seventh round of the shootout. So, uh, yeah, it's been a pretty crazy uh, matchup. You know, when those two teams play each other, get ready for some fireworks, some extracurriculars, and uh, just some quality hockey. And I think if you're a fan of just a random team around the league that, you know, didn't make the playoffs— and you're looking for a series that's going to be fun and engaging and exciting and emotions are going to run high and both fan bases are going to be into it, uh, I think look no further than Rangers versus Devils. But I felt this way last year. I thought it was going to be Rangers-Penguins. I think it's going to be Rangers-Devils this year. And if, if the season ended right now, uh, that would indeed be the first-round matchup. I want to uh, close today by taking a quick look ahead at the Rangers schedule uh, for the month of February here. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, minimize the screen if I can, you know, figure out how to do this here. Always a little bit of a project, but there we go. Okay, so that's the standings, but I'm going to give you guys the uh, the schedule here as well, the New York Rangers schedule. So this is for the month of February here, and I uh, just kind of wanted to go through it together. A lot of games against uh, some teams from Canada. Uh, Rangers, like I said, will be back in action on Monday at 7.30 at home against the Flames. Then they're at home against the Canucks, and they're at home against Seattle. Uh, that game against Seattle is the first game of back-to-back. -back. They will be at the Canes after that. We have three back-to-backs in the uh, month of February, despite the Rangers only playing, let's see, that would be uh, 11 games. They have 11 games and yet three back-to-backs. I know it's a shorter month, but uh, that's kind of interesting in and of itself. Um, the Rangers will play home against the Kraken and at the Canes. That's the first back-to-back -back on the 10th and the 11th. Uh, they also play at Edmonton and at Calgary on the 17th and the 18th. That's another back-to-back. -back. And then you're also at the Caps on the 25th, followed by home against the Kings on the 26th. So the Rangers are going to be busy. I would imagine Yaroslav Halak will play in one of those two games of all those back-to-backs, which, as we discussed earlier, isn't necessarily a bad thing at this point. I mean, obviously, Igor's Igor, and you want him out there as much as possible. But I think most Ranger fans probably feeling quite a bit better about Yaroslav Halak. The other thing that really jumps out to me here— is the return of the, uh, the late-night Rainier games. You know, on the 15th, they're at Vancouver at 10 p.m. On the 17th, they're at Edmonton at 9 p.m. And on the 18th, they're at Calgary at 10 p.m. So we're going to be staying up late for some of those games and, you know, fighting sleep and all that good stuff. But it's worth it to watch our blue shirts, especially now that they're playing uh, quite a bit better. But, you know, I figure we could pretty much call it there for today. Like I said, just wanted to go through the biggest takeaways from the month of January. And uh, I think we did that. Obviously, coming up here, we got some all-star festivities. You got the skills competition on Friday at 7 p.m. You've also got the uh, NHL all-star game or games, since it's kind of like a mini tournament now, uh, that will be on Saturday at 3 p.m. And of course, the Rangers, well represented with Adam Fox, Artemi Panarin, and Igor Shesterkin, all set to participate. Definitely looking forward to you know, checking out at least some of that. I, I think I'll probably watch the entire All-Star, you know, tournament, because there's like three games, two winners move on. Um, as far as the skills competition, I'll probably catch a decent amount of that as well. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.